gospel lesson comes from the Gospel of Matthew in the 10th chapter, starting in the 40th verse. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, surely tell you, none of these will lose their reward. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So when I was a teen, one of my favorite things to do was to go rock climbing with family and friends. So I can appreciate the relationship between the rock climber and the belay person. See, the rock climber is primarily focused on sticking to the rock. That's the point, right? They focus on moving steadily upward using established trails or pioneering new routes up the side of the rock, either clipping into or installing new holds in the face of the rock. But the most important job, actually, is that of the belay. The belay is the person who stands at the bottom and is the final safety measure if the climber were to fall. By paying attention to distance and slack uh, and applying careful pressure while using a pulley and harness system, they're able to hold the weight of the climber even if they are much heavier than themselves. The role of the blade person is to ensure that the climber can safely take the route without fear of crashing to the ground. If you've ever been rock climbing, you know everyone is nice to the belayer. They hold the rope in their hands as well as the rock climber. And although I don't have a love of heights that I did when I was a teenager now, I think we can all relate to and appreciate the feeling of needing support and help, especially when we're doing something out of our comfort zone. Maybe it's trying out a new hobby, starting a new job, going to college for the first time, or going to college for the sixth time, or moving to a new city with your family. Or maybe your life has changed in ways that you couldn't imagine. Or it's taking on the calling that Jesus has had on your life that maybe you're not quite ready to answer yet. There are many times that we fear the unknown possibilities, not knowing what realities lay before us. I know in my own life, I spent years dodging what God was calling me to do. Disciples, we see in their personalities, were very much the same way. Jesus knew his disciples well, and of course, he knows us well. He knows that we need and must support one another in our path of following Christ. So we find ourselves today in an interesting point in the Gospel of Matthew. And just as much as the book shows us, Matthew's aim is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Earlier in the book, we see many examples of Jesus' earthly ministry among the people. And before today's text, Jesus is seen casting out demons, proclaiming the good news, teaching and healing many people. And what takes place in chapter then is Jesus giving the disciples instructions on how to approach people and towns to preach the gospel. He also gives them the authority in his name to cast out demons and to heal people. This text ties together the earlier and latter sections of Matthew's account underlining the evangelistic approach to the gospel seen throughout his text. 
And so as we come to the closing verses of verse 10 and verses 40 through 42, he touches on the heart of just how important this message is that the disciples will be taking into the world. And Jesus' message is clear, leading up to and following through with this. He is preeminent in all that they do and in everything. And so he moves as he's speaking with the disciples from a cautionary instruction and practical guidance to describing the real cost of discipleship, what it will cost the disciples to carry his message. And he moves to words of encouragement, words of welcoming and reception. Jesus was lifting the eyes of the disciples from the work that they were to carry on to, to offer a reminder of whom was actually going to take on the heavy lifting, which of course is Jesus. At first in the text, we see an order of people being described and received, descending from Christ himself to what is described as the little ones. Jesus, then the prophets, then the righteous men, and then the little ones. What Jesus is describing here is not an opening to a bad joke, but rather the prophets, the righteous men, and little ones being themselves a depiction of the makeup of the Christian church. And what he's referring to is the reception of the gospel message by people in a practical but profound way. This message is carried by his followers out to the people, and they are Christ's ambassadors for a world which so desperately needs to hear the gospel. And although the cultural context and time have changed greatly, this fact is still true today. The world needs people sent by Christ to boldly bring the message of salvation into all corners of the world. Those people are you and those in whom you plant the seed of faith. We are the church and we are on mission for Christ. Jesus prepared his disciples for this mission, and he prepares you today for the same. Here in this text, we also see a correlation between the treatment of Jesus himself, his followers, and in whom they encounter. This is important because his disciples would be relying solely on the generosity of the people they met to meet their needs. They were not allowed to carry a bunch of stuff with them. Christ describes those who welcome each of these and show even the slightest compassion will be doing so not just for his followers, but they will also be doing it for Christ himself. And as he does so many times before, including where we'll be celebrating communion with the bread and the wine, just take something seemingly simple, everyday objects, the sharing of water to convey a very powerful meaning. To receive Christ's disciples is to receive Christ. In this text, the use of the word receive or in other translations welcome actually enhances our understanding. To receive or welcome in this instance comes from a Greek root word which means to take hold of, take up, to receive, and not just to hand off, but to receive personally. So Jesus is showing here that when someone welcomes one of his disciples, they are actually, by extension, welcoming Jesus Christ. They are taking hold of Jesus, accepting him, and receiving him. This imagery always makes me think of the woman who was healed in Matthew 9.20 by simply taking a hold of the hem of Jesus' garment. When people receive a disciple, they take a hold of the gospel and they receive Christ. 
Now, this is important. It is only through the work of Jesus himself that someone is able to truly accept Christ. But as an ambassador for Christ, you are called first to follow Christ, are equipped by the Holy Spirit, and then sent by Christ to share the truth of what Christ has already done. Take heart, because you hear this encouragement today, just as the first disciples did back in that time. Jesus did not send out the disciples into the world in order to relieve himself of the work to be done, but rather to expand the reach of the gospel message of the kingdom. So when the gospel takes a leap forward, is accepted, welcomed, and assisted, it is really Jesus being accepted and welcomed. Jesus takes us a step further in this imagery that he's sharing and explains that those who accept disciples accept not only him, but God the Father as well. In this image, Jesus is not only present in the prophets and the righteous, but also in the lowly and the least, the suffering, the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the imprisoned. And so as we see in James 2, 1, there's no partiality when it comes to faith in Jesus. James writes, my brother, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And just as there's no partiality in faith, we also know there's no partiality in the law. It is not about being righteous for our own sake, but about receiving the righteousness of Jesus through others and being that for others as well. As we know, as we celebrate communion, Jesus is present. He's present with all those who are sent and who are received and who are assisted. And this fact is empowering and encouraging to Jesus-sent followers. We may always be under spiritual attack. And we will always encounter the enemy who opposes the Lord's church. But Jesus is with us. In response... We must obediently take up the advancement of the gospel, no matter our position, status, age, or experience. Let's take a moment to look at verse 42 again. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly, I say to you, he'll by no means lose his reward. By little ones, Jesus is referring to his sent church his followers on mission to take the gospel to the world. John will use similar imagery in 1 John 3, 7. And even Matthew, again, will use the same and similar imagery in verses 18, 6. In addition to this, the people of God should support the work of God through his followers. And we should be excited to do so. In this, Jesus is also encouraging his followers who are on mission for him. And here's a hint. That's all of us. We are all called to be on mission for Christ. He is calling all of his disciples to stand with the church in her mission and in her efforts. In other words, much will be taken from the disciple who is bold in his or her witness, but much will be given as well through the people of God. The Christian who seeks to follow Jesus should receive the encouragement of the body of Christ. Remember a couple moments ago the video of the mountain climber and the blair. Now we know that it is ultimately Jesus who saves us as no illustration does justice in describing Jesus' grace fully. But I love this image of someone holding the rope. We must be willing to hold the rope for one another 
And Jesus is saying that when we do in his name, we receive a great blessing. I know that I have been personally blessed by many and many here who have held the rope for me as I grew in my relationship with Christ. We have that same opportunity to do so for one another right now, today. And we need not fear that we have too little to give. We don't know enough or that we lack experience. Jesus' words do not suggest that only those who are able to give big, significant gifts can have the blessing of holding the rope. If all you have is a cup of cold water to give a faithful servant of God, give it with joy and know that the Lord receives it and will bless you. Remember, to give that cup of cold water to a faithful servant is to give it to Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1-4, through 4, Paul commanded, or commended the churches of Macedonia to the church of Corinth for their great generosity. What is most interesting is what is Paul's revelation that the churches of Macedonia gave despite living in poverty. He says this, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. This is a powerful truth and message for us today. It means that there are no small acts of kindness in the kingdom of God, both to those who know Christ and those who are yet to know him. Jesus makes this point again in his words about the widow and her giving in Luke 21. It says, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. So in Luke 21, it is a widow and her little but profound gift. In Matthew 10, it is a faithful follower and their little cup of water. These two gifts have a similarity. They are both gifts in the guise of God. There is no small or insignificant way to stand lovingly and faithfully by the people of God. Any effort in this regard is a great one. Jesus can and will do great things with a little or even a cup of water. So if that is all you have to give, then give it for the advancement of the kingdom and the spread of the gospel and do it with joy. God can use all things for good. Certainly it's true that when we offer the cup of cold water to the disciples on mission and when we hold the rope for God's faithful people, we are investing in the kingdom and we are investing in each other. It is also more importantly true that when we do this, we receive Christ in return, his blessing and his peace. Because service and kindness and love in the name of Jesus lead us into a greater understanding of Jesus in our own lives as we set aside our own desires, our own ambitions to focus on what Jesus has called us to, the purpose he has for us. Such is the nature of the kingdom that good works and acts of service are our response to what Jesus has already done. So if you are paying a price for following Jesus, be encouraged today. Jesus is with you, and the people of God are beside you. 
And we as the church are encouraged to come alongside our brothers and sisters. Be there wherever follower, faithful followers of the Lord are advancing his kingdom in the world. So help them, support them, stand by them, and hold the rope in Jesus' name. Amen.